Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of realeverything.com. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Welcome back to The Whole View, episode 424, whereby Sarah is going to make us all feel like we're not eating enough vegetables. <laughs> no, no, it's not a guilt show. It is not a guilt show. It is an empowerment show. It is an inspiration show. It's a cheerleading, rah, rah, you can do it show. I'm already uncomfortable with our opposite dynamic. So <laughs> here's the thing. I did see... I don't even remember where I saw it. I think it was on your Instagram where you had said, as a general rule of thumb, aim to eat at least 30 different vegetables and fruits throughout the week. And at first I saw it and I was like, my brain exploded exploded like as an emoji, right? Like I, I think uh-huh. I had literally yeah. turned into that emoji for a moment. And then I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, if I break that down per week, like there's seven days in a week, you know, and I started doing the math and I'm like, well, how many fruits and vegetables are we eating? And I started naming them off and I'm like, I don't think we're quite at 30 different, but I know we're eating servings with a variety, almost maybe close to that. So maybe we could break it down and I can see (laughs) how far off I really am and what you meant by that expectation to help our listeners who probably saw that and also had a brain exploding emoji. (laughs) Um, There was, um, there was a lot of comments on this post. Um, I mean, so much so that I was like, this needs the conversation that goes around this that we can do in the podcast. That's really challenging to do in like little comments on a, you know, a social media thread. So, um, there were a lot of uh, exploding brain emoji type comments, um, some um, disbelief. Um, I think there was a lot of, you know, 30 sounds like a lot. And what I really want to do uh, with this podcast episode is like explain where that recommendation actually comes from and the science behind it. And also, I think probably most people are closer to 30 than they think. And also, I kind of want to like calm everyone down because one of the things that we do on this podcast often is talk about not letting perfection be the enemy of the good. And this isn't about, a, you know, having like a, a checkbox and making, you know, like checking all the 30 and making sure that they come from all the different families. It's really a, um, a fuzzy goal that is about increasing variety. And so we'll, we'll talk about all that, but the, the, the types of, um, questions and comments on, uh, those social media posts, um, kind of fell into a few different categories. So, uh, are we being punked was actually a common <laughs> comment. Um, the, the answer is no, but well, I'll get into the science, uh, as sort of, um, exclamations such as, I don't even know that many vegetables, or that sounds too hard, um, were very common. Does my store even have that many vegetables and fruits? How can I possibly store that many vegetables and fruits? Um, 
well, that's impossible if I'm eating locally and in season. So those types of, of, of comments and also sort of requests for, well, how do I do that in a cost effective way? And how do I, um, how do I meal prep? Um, in order to to eat that much variety. So that that's I kind of want to go through like all of those different uh, reactions. And I think, you know, Stacy, like yours, um, and I after seeing the reaction, I can understand where it came from. I wasn't expecting it, obviously, otherwise I would have written around it to help people understand that it's not as scary a number as they think it is. Um, but sometimes hindsight is, um, wait, I'm not saying, 2020. So hindsight is perfect vision is now the phrase. Um, so, uh, so let's start with just like where this, this recommendation comes from. There was, okay, actually let's take a step back. So I've been researching the gut microbiome for six years and there's some really important, um, insight that has come out of that research. So one is that different families of fruit and vegetables are independently beneficial for the gut microbiome. And vegetables and fruit are independently. So we really need both high vegetable consumption and um, you know, probably something like eight or more servings of vegetables a day and something like three or more servings of fruit per day um, in an optimal, you know, eating optimally for our, for our gut bacteria and gut health in general. That is really important. Now, a serving is a cup uncooked or half a cup cooked. So it's it's not, um, you're probably, when you're spooning, you know, broccoli on the side of your plate, you're probably spooning two servings of broccoli onto your plate without knowing about it, if not three. So also keep that in mind, that um, when you say eight servings, a serving is a fairly small amount. Um, so eight servings is not, it's, it's about four cups of, of, um, cooked vegetables. It is not that crazy of an amount throughout three meals of a day. Um, so I also want to, we're, we're going to, we're going to approach this calmly. Um, and, um, and then what the science shows is that the different families, right? So cruciferous family, the cabbage family of vegetables, um, have different types of phytonutrients and, uh, fiber types that really feed a unique subset of bacteria compared to, for example, the parsley family, which includes carrots and fennel and celery. They have different types of phytochemicals and different types of fiber, and they feed different bacteria. And why that's important is that diversity, which means like the more different species of bacteria and other types of microbes in the gut, is the most important hallmark of a healthy gut microbiome. Um, it's actually a hallmark of any healthy ecosystem. So the more diversity of species you see in any ecosystem, typically the more healthy that ecosystem is. And we know that in the gut, that the more species that you have, um, typically it creates an environment where pathogens can't um, grow sort of out of control because they're competing against so many different other species for their niche. So they are restricted in their growth. So that's awesome. Um, different bacteria create different chemicals that benefit us um, in their metabolism. So we benefit the most by having the highest sort of metabolic capacity of our gut bacteria, meaning that they can break down the most variety of food compounds and create the most variety of beneficial, what some people call postbiotics, um, metabolites, 
um, the type of biologically active molecules that our gut bacteria create that directly influence the health of every cell in our body. And so diversity being the most important thing, the way that we practically achieve diversity in our gut microbiome is through food diversity. And that's because different types of foods feed different species. And with fruits and vegetables, what that really comes down to is it's not um, even within, say, the cabbage family, you're looking at broccoli and cabbage and kale. Um, those three vegetables that I just named, they even themselves have different, you know, there's different details in terms of how they support the gut microbiome. So even if we were picking from all of the different families of fruits and vegetables, we don't always want to pick broccoli as our cruciferous vegetable and lettuce as our leafy green and celery as our, as our parsley family and sweet potatoes as our root vegetable. Um, and when we get into that rut, we tend to lose diversity. And there was a, a really important paper um, that came out of the American Gut Project, which is um, a really amazing project where um, they basically have crowdsourced gut microbiome research. So you pay a hundred bucks and you send away your stool sample. You fill out all of these different, you know, uh, types of forms. This is how I eat. This is how much I exercise. And they have tens of thousands of samples now that they can start analyzing. You get your gut microbiome analysis back. That's what you get. And then they get the data in order to start to figure out these really big, important questions um, that require a large data set to get at because the gut microbiome is so complex in order to really be able to tease out these important effects of diet and lifestyle, having a really big sample size is very, very helpful. So this paper, what they did was they analyzed people who were eating 30 or more different plant foods a week. So um, these people were eating, uh, they in plant foods, they lumped together vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, legumes, and grains compared to people who are eating 10 or less. Now, um, under those plant foods, what that um, analysis showed was that people who are eating 30 or more different plant foods a week had vastly more diverse gut microbiomes and vastly healthier more gut microbiomes than those who were eating 10 or less different ones accounting for all of the other factors, but the the strongest trend was in that intake of vegetables and fruit. And in my research, one of the things that I've really been able to uncover is that vegetables are phenomenal for the gut microbiome of, you know, all kinds of vegetables, fruit, amazing. Nuts and seeds are fantastic. Some legumes are really good for the gut microbiome and only a couple of grains are. And so when you even look at those details, what you see is that um, vegetables and fruit are sort of not interchangeable, but legumes and grains are because of the similarity of fiber types. So it really elevates the importance of vegetables and fruit. So when I sort of compile all of that research together, I think the argument is for 30-ish or more different vegetables and fruit, you could include nuts and seeds in that count. Um, it's not really about, um, about being again, right. It's, it's not I don't want people to obsess about whether or not something counts. You could also include fresh herbs if you're eating enough to, to 
be a serving, right? If you're putting basil leaves in your salad, for example, um, that would, that is a, you know, uniquely beneficial plant food with great phytonutrients and great fiber, right? So it's really looking at these foods that are uniquely beneficial for the gut microbiome and diversifying them because that diversity of different fiber types and different foods, plant foods, different um, phytonutrients, those feed different species. And because we are, we have all of the science really showing that vegetables and fruit nuts and seeds and mushrooms are like where it's at in terms of the gut microbiome. That's why I phrase this as 30 or more different vegetables and fruits per week. But to be fair, um, nuts and seeds also great at about a serving a day. Um, and fresh herbs would also be a great thing to include in here. And I think that, um, you know, legumes and grains are great when properly, no, select legumes and grains. Let's really emphasize there are certain legumes and grains that if they work for you, if they're properly prepared, can be very good for the gut microbiome, but they're not a substitute for vegetables and fruit. Vegetables and fruit are are so important. And so um, when I look at that, that collection of research, that's where that recommendation comes from. Now we can also sort of look at that practically. What does that, what does that look like? That's roughly, you know, four or five different vegetables and fruits a day. Um, so that's roughly one or two different vegetables or fruit a meal. It's, you know, you're eating 21-ish meals a week, give or take. Um, have a different vegetable or fruit at each one and you're, you know, two-thirds of the way to your goal. Um, it's, I it's could not help myself do the math. <laughs> you were yeah. talking. Um, and so I just used what I've eaten in the last few days, not even going back a full week because we meal plan when our hungry harvest comes in on Fridays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So today is Tuesday. So I'm only about halfway through the week and I'm at 26, not including seeds and nuts and herbs and I am not Sarah I do not sit around eating like random vegetables raw (laughs) so I'm excited maybe like can we talk about some like what are what are the basic vegetables that we see at stores because um I think just listing them out people will be like okay if you're driving don't do this but if you're not driving like just count up as we (laughs) kind of go through these like what can you remember that you've eaten in recent history um and I give an example because like last night we made a I don't know if bolognese is the right term I know that like that's like a special thing right but we made a meat sauce (laughs) with um veggies that we put over pasta and we've talked before on the show about how Sarah and I don't eat like a prescribed sort of um, diet per se, but rather the foods that offer nutrients that make us feel our best. And so we do eat some gluten-free pasta and different things like that, but we try to add as much vegetables and protein to that as we can versus like mostly being about the pasta. So our sauce was, you know, like many servings per bowl not just like one serving per bowl and it just the sauce alone had celery onions carrots beets butternut squash and carrots as well as herbs 
because we don't use tomatoes. We use our fomato sauce. So like just in one meal without the herbs that I included, because that wouldn't have been a full serving. It was just like dry herbs or whatever. Um, that was six that I could count just yeah. off of one meal. So I, I just want to like point that out that if you're eating a salad, think about how many things are in that. Or, you know, we had egg roll in a bowl this week. So that was um, green onions, two types of cabbage, carrots. Mm, yum. And I, I don't know if we use broccoli or cauliflower, but it was one of those. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about like how many when you have even just one meal a day that's concentrated with a lot of vegetables, which is what we try to do. We have one or two in, you know, one or two meals, but then we have one meal that's like super veggie dense. Um, and sometimes that's lunch and sometimes that's dinner, depending. Um, it works. The math has worked out for me, surprisingly, as I sit here and look at this list. Yeah. So. The, the first thing that I did when I saw these comments and, and realized that, um, the, this one little quote from from the Gut Health Guidebook and the Gut Health Cookbook was um, uh, intimidating, and and I wasn't expecting it to to be so intimidating. Was I went and counted how many different fruit I had in my fruit bowl, <laughs> and I had ten. I had ten different fruits in my fruit bowl. Um, granted, my so I have Misfit Market, which is like Hungry Harvest. My my box had just come, but the the regular box I get the large one has 14 different vegetables and fruits in it. And they, they now make it so that you can select what you get each week, but you pick five from this group and seven from this group and then two from this group. Right. And so that is your basic box. And then they have like between 10 and maybe 20 different options for additional fruits and vegetables that can be added on. Um, and so just looking at fruits and vegetables, just from my weekly box, and I still need a grocery store trip once a week, typically, um, to round out the fruits and vegetables that my family eats. Um, you know, for us, um, 30 is really easy to, to achieve. And I think as we go through some of these common fruits and vegetables, um, I, I think it'll, it'll, it'll make it feel like, oh no, wait, maybe I, maybe I do know 30 different <laughs> vegetables and 30 different fruit. And it's, by the way, it's 30 total between vegetables and fruit. The average grocery store has about 200 different fresh fruits and vegetables in their store in the produce section year round, um, depending on how you count them, right? So that's counting the individual varieties of apples separately, the different, right? There's oranges, there's navel oranges and caracara oranges and, you know, a mandarin orange or a tangerine, right? So there's, there's, they're counting all of those as separate fruits, but that's fair, um, you know, there's actually science showing that different apples have different impacts on the gut microbiome, and that's because their polyphenols are a little bit different. So even though their fiber types are very similar, apple variety to apple variety, the polyphenols vary enough that it actually feeds different species of bacteria in the gut. Um, so one of the tricks here, as as we go through, is is not just necessarily like trying to hit roughly again, it's, this is a rough guideline. This is not a click the checkbox. The idea is to just think about variety. Um, so thinking about all the different types of vegetables and fruit you can get at a, at a regular old grocery store. Um, and, uh, and then think about, um, mixing it up week to week. So whatever you got last week, next week, try to swap some of those out, maybe get a different type of, 
um, apple this week, or, you know, maybe last week you got the orange carrots. So this week get the rainbow carrots, right? So swapping out a different version of that same food because they're different cultivars, they do actually vary. And especially if they're a different color, you can expect the nutrients to be, especially the phytonutrients to be substantially different. And that will be beneficial for the gut microbiome. I can hear your throat's a little froggy. So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to go through this list. Um, kale. That was one yep. I had. Many varieties of kale. Asparagus. Broccoli. Yep. That was one yep. I had. Cauliflower. Cabbage. I had two types. There's probably even more than that. Yeah. There's, I can think of three always there's at my store. always three at the store, right? Because there's always like Napa, green, and red. Yep. Yeah. Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. I had um, this week. Lettuce. So many varieties. I had two all this the, week. All the varieties. I can just think of you with all of your lettuce. <laughs> I love, I love lettuce. Yeah. Spinach. I would say there's many varieties of spinach as well mm-hmm. because um, baby versus big, right? It's not yep. just that it's smaller. It's a different variety. Right? It's a different, if it's a different type of spinach. And at my local farmer's market, they even have more varieties of spinach. So there's like a, I think they call it winter spinach that is like soup, like they're huge leaves and they're, they're more really hearty, substantial. Like yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're somewhere in between regular spinach and kale. Like, yeah. Already we're at eight and we've just named things totally normal <laughs> that we're all eating. Okay. Yeah. Arugula, carrots, several varieties again. Um, yeah. And if you are not enjoying rainbow carrots, you are missing out. You can't always find them. Uh, but when I do, I love it. Um, fennel, which is one of my favorite vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to roast that with root veggies. That's great in the winter. Parsnip, sweet potato, artichoke, celery, which is not my favorite vegetable, but easy to add to everything. Yep. <laughs> Cucumbers. Um, and again, with multiple varieties there mushrooms we have talked about there's a dedicated show on that so i am definitely getting my veg my mushrooms <laughs> every week since sarah says it's its own food group um, turnips rutabaga cassava or yuca now i have a question yes. would you count cassava flour here um honestly i would count any any um like vegetable flour that is the whole food. So if you are getting an unprocessed cassava flour, like autos, then yes, I would count it. Just like if you were doing a, right, a sweet potato flour, which is the whole sweet potato versus sweet potato starch. If it's the refined starch, I wouldn't count it. If it's the whole food that's just dried dried and pulverized, yeah, I would count it. Love that. So then I did have cassava this week. (laughs) (laughs) Avocado, which is always on our list. It's one of our family's favorite foods. Um, culinary vegetable. I realize there's all kinds of people going, wait, that's a fruit. It's yes. a culinary vegetable. It is a savory food to eat. How about that? Yes. It's a savory plant. Um, beets, which I mentioned, um, we make that sauce and we keep it in the freezer because it's easy to make in big batches and then just like give yourself and that included so many things for me. Zucchini and other summer squash. Um, mm-hmm. And... If your family is struggling with fruits and vegetables, this is a great thing to actually uh, put into baked goods. Like I make muffins. Um, I'm actually going to put a recipe up on the blog with like zucchini and carrots. um, And you can put pineapple, 
raisins, all different kinds of things in a muffin. So again, it adds variety, right? Like we're just thinking about ways to like get more vegetables and fruits into the things that we're consuming. Um, winter squash, which I mean that you put that as like one thing that I can, that's just like a huge category. Um, And, And definitely you would think of acorn squash or butternut squash or spaghetti squash as different vegetables. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that, so the first thing I did was I freeformed. I was like, how many can I just think of that are normal that I can get at my local Kroger? And then I went onto Safeway's website and was like, how many did I miss? And just thinking about those types of like big chain grocery stores that are everywhere. Um, and you know, like you might some, some things, especially as we get into fruit, there's going to be some that are seasonal. Um, but you know, winter squash, you can get year round, right? So a lot of these things you can get year round and they're, they're year round in season. I mean, that's the other thing is they're not just year round because they're, they're sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Um, they're wherever you live, there is quite a large collection of fruits and vegetables that are easy to grow most of the year. Well, and when I look at this list, some the things that I commonly eat or the things that I would check off might change if it were a different season. But yes. I would still, I, I do believe that I would still have that same type of variety because if we have the mindset of, for example, you know, I made, um, I've been craving oatmeal as the weather has gotten colder, but it's not something we normally eat. Um, and so I made oatmeal yesterday, but I didn't just make oatmeal. I like found a recipe that had pumpkin in it, which is the next thing on your list. Um, quite a significant amount of pumpkin and raisins, which are grapes, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So again, like here we're, we're adding things and not just eating the whatever. And I think when you have that mentality, it naturally will come to, for me, high twenties in just a few days. You know what I mean? So I'm, there might be a couple of these that I'm doubling up on. (laughs) Right. But like, I do think that for example, if I had a smoothie today, it would get me to 30 because I would have more fruits in it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. right now I don't have very many fruits, but um, anyway, we'll go through the rest of the list. Okay. So sprouts or microgreens, which this is something that you said you can find year round. If you don't have these in your fridge, um, or you could grow yourself. It's so fun. Yeah. They're easy to do with kids. This is a great way to add a, a, like a micronutrient punch to your foods. Um, and I'm surprised at how open my kids are to eating them because they're kind of flavorless. We like to add them to tuna. Like if we do um, tuna on Simple Mills Cracker and then you can like add a couple of sprigs per bite. Or I love them with canned fish. That's like my yes. favorite way to eat sprouts and microgreens. Um, try like... Broccoli sprouts are surprisingly broccoli-esque. And try radish sprouts. Radish sprouts have a bite um, that is, like, not as intense as radishes, but is it's kind of peppery like the way arugula is peppery. Yeah. So um, I bought myself sprouting jars um, as I was developing the Gut Health Cookbook because there's um, I wanted to make sure that if I was going to include some select legumes that are really good for the gut microbiome in the recipes that I was doing a traditional preparation of, you know, sprouting first and then properly boiling them the right amount of time and draining the water and all those things. And, um, certain legumes are really easy to sprout. Like lentils will sprout 
in just a matter of hours. And other ones like chickpeas took, well, chickpeas are why I bought the sprouting jars because I, they were just rotting on the counter that they, they took some serious, um, some, some serious commitment to get to sprout. Um, and that's because they're finicky. They're just they're They take about three days to sprout, which means a lot of things can go wrong on a countertop in three days. Um, and they don't like warm weather. And so I was trying to sprout them in the summer, which was also a challenge. Um, but sprouting jars, I mean, you could also just use any glass jar with, um, like cheesecloth or something over the top because the sprouts need air, but they, they are so like, it's now become like such a common thing that I'm just like, Oh, I'll just grab a quarter cup of whatever these things are. And I'll have, now I'll have mung bean sprouts or now I'll have, you know, I, and the seeds are super cheap. Um, I, I, I highly encourage people to sprout, um, because their sprouts, um, are super nutrient dense and they're really, really easy to do yourself. And they're like a fraction of the price to do yourself, like maybe a 10th the amount of money. And I think they're fun for kids too. Like we roll them up. Um, it's like a chia pet without yes, the pet. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We, we put them with, um, smoked salmon or tuna are our favorite ways, but I mean, you can just add them to salads or like egg roll in a bowl and different kinds of things like that. And I don't even think like you would notice them in a negative way. So, and there's, there's an opportunity right there to add what, like three or four without doing much effort. Um, and I can think of, um, this as being an opportunity too, when I think about like nuts and seeds being involved, like, you know, you can do your own chia seed pudding and don't just Mm -hmm. make chia seed pudding. You can add, we do like a cinnamon raisin one or, you know what I mean? Like you can do different kinds of flavors there. You can do a pumpkin one, um, to kind of add even more to it. So the more that I look at this, the more I'm like, duh, now I'm checking my own boxes. I'm feeling (laughs) good about myself. You're right. This is a confidence empowerment show. Okay. Yay! (laughs) Jicama, which admittedly is not something that we eat very often just because it's so tough. But when you can find, I don't know, sometimes I find those rounds like pre-done at my store, such a good way to like have a healthy taco shell. Do you know what I'm talking about, Sarah? Oh, no. They sell them like pre-sliced and rounded. And sometimes I can find them at like my health food store, but not always. And those are my favorite grab. Admittedly, the only way that I eat jicama is like cut into like French fry wedges yeah. uh, eaten raw as a dip, as a dipping vegetable. They um, also, when you do it like that, if you do it really small, I forget what the technical, like French a matchstick. Yes. Type. Yeah. Yes. Like a matchstick shape with um, like green apples. They're really good in like salads too. Oh, I bet they are. You know Cause they saying? have that. that nice Cause jicama is like if apples and cucumbers had a baby. Yeah. They just are pretty difficult to get into. And so if I get jicama, it's Matt's job. <laughs> Okay, moving forward. Um, Ones I'm not getting any of are peppers and tomatoes and eggplants because they're nightshades, but those are healthy. But if you're not sensitive to nightshades, go for it. Yeah. And a lot of people are getting a lot of tomatoes. And I I think I've realized this because we don't eat nightshades, right? And I think that's kind of a default. Yes, again, it's a fruit, but we're calling it savory vegetable. Mm -hmm. It's a a default for a lot of people as something that's available in in a lot of things. But if that's the only thing that you're getting, um, then that's difficult, right? Like this is why we want variety. So, Uh, but there are many varieties of tomatoes. I can't, I mean, when I go to the store and I'm looking at tomatoes, I'm like, 
this is insane because Wesley loves tomatoes and I try to like choose something for him each time. And my, my local Kroger has a tomato aisle. It's like tomatoes <laughs> on one side and apples on the other. Yeah. And there's as many variety. I think they also have the garlic and the avocados stuck stuck in with the tomato aisle. Nearby. So it's not, yeah. but like it's, it's pretty much almost as many varieties of tomatoes as it is varieties of apples. It's yeah. Yeah. And when I when I buy for Wesley, I try to get the um he likes the tricolored cherry tomatoes, right? So they're like three Like why not? Yeah. yeah. They're three different types of tomatoes just in one small container for him. So, anyway. All right, moving forward, potatoes, much like sweet potatoes, many varieties of these and definitely mm-hmm. on my list this week. <laughs> <laughs> um we let, have you ever had Cole Cannon? Russ is the one from the domestic man who introduced me to that recipe. We had that earlier this week. No. It is, I mean, if it's Russ's recipe, I got to find it. Right. So we caramelize onions. It surprises me that that would be in Russ's recipe, but we make Russ's recipe. So I bet it is. And then he um, probably used shallots. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> his, for those who don't know this inside joke, his original handle was onions are gross. And before he yeah. became the domestic man. Um, and then kale is kind of like um, just steam sauteed a little bit. And then you mm-hmm. mix it in with mashed potatoes and it becomes like this, um, you know, greens and potatoes mixed. And then you serve some sort of like sausage or pork or we did Swedish meatballs over top. Ah, um, uh, that sounds it's like a traditional delicious. Irish dish. My kids love it because you know McCary, like they're all Irish. And so <laughs> they feel like this yeah. is our family. They call it our family um, meal. I don't dish or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's yep. like, oh, this is our like. Oh, this is what you choose. But <laughs> at least there's greens in it. <laughs> okay, green beans. Um, and other fresh beans. So, yeah, there's like often yellow, like oh, wax, yeah, wax beans. beans. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, um, and peas. At my farmer's market, I can get like rattlesnake beans. And like they have these long ones. They're called noodle beans or something like that. But they're like two feet long. They're super fun. And they're purple, but they turn green when you when you steam them. Um, like there's so many different varieties of – they're not even all green, right? There's purple and yellow. Yeah. And, and purple. And I'm thinking of – um, like peas and snap peas as well. Isn't there mm-hmm. another one? What's the flat one sugar, called? Sugar, sugar, uh, aren't the flat ones snap peas? No, they're snow peas. Snow peas. Snow peas. No, snow. Yeah. Okay. Those ones we do often because we usually do like, um, we try to do Taco Tuesday and then we have like Asian Friday. Um, and so we'll make like, you know, we did egg roll in a bowl this week. Sometimes we'll do japchae as one of our favorites, which is sweet potato noodles with um, snow peas. <laughs> I always I forget the name. I am going to make the uh, Chinese beef and broccoli recipe out of. So there's certain recipes out of the Gut Health Cookbook that have become like weekly favorites. And I'm making the Chinese beef and broccoli on sweet potato noodles for dinner tonight. Yum. Okay. Onions and garlic. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, they count. I mean, duh. There's two freebies for you right there. Um, leeks and yep. green onions, which mm-hmm. I, every time I go to the store, I try to buy bunches of green onions and herbs, kind of just like, I don't know what I'm going to use these in, but I never regret having them. Um, and in the wintertime, our herbs that are grown outside are less available to us, so... My grandfather's favorite vegetable was green onions 
dipped, he would just eat them like right out of the garden, obviously the dirt wiped off and then he would dip them in salt. And that was like his favorite vegetable. I did not inherit that gene. I kudos to him because Mongolian beef is like my favorite dish, mostly because it's just like barely cooked green onions with a little bit of beef. Like that's my, <laughs> that's my like favorite. Okay. Um, radishes, which yep. if you don't love them, roast them. I mm-hmm. do they not. They completely change when you they roast completely them. change. I'm not a huge fan of them raw, but I love roasted radishes. Um, bok choy, mm-hmm. which if you haven't cooked yourself, it's super easy. And, and baby bok choy is also a different variety of bok choy. Good to know. Um, and there's also like tatsoi. There's like a whole... Like that's a whole family of, in is itself. It, I was going to ask, is it kind of like its own cabbage? Like it's its yes. own. Fa- okay. That's what mm-hmm. I kind of thought is um, great. Good to know. Good job, Stacy. Okay. Um, <laughs> collards, which again, yep. multiple colors there. Um, Swiss chard, multiple varieties and colors there. Mm-hmm. Plantains. Culinary vegetable. I know it's a fruit. And um, it is not a different variety if it's like. Green versus yellow. Green versus, that's just ripe or not ripe, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. We get about three different varieties in the stores here, but it's more seasonal. So it just sort of depends on what, what region they're coming from. Okay. We're nearing the end here with rhubarb. Again, yeah. fantastic. That's very seasonal. Fantastic to st- like steam and um, not steam to puree, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. well, yes, you need to steam them, but... Um, that's one of my favorites to like mix with cauliflower or potatoes or different things to like add in a variety to um, whatever you might be making and kohlrabi. Yeah, also very seasonal. I love kohlrabi so much. I think you're stretching it there at the end to call these things that you can find at like every store. But I, I no, I would say I would say rhubarb and kohlrabi are definitely seasonal. So um, like my local Kroger will carry rhubarb for about a month out of the year. And same with kohlrabi. So they they kind of come and go really quickly. But I think that's the other, you know, that's one of the neat things. Every grocery store, like we've definitely, because we're sourcing vegetables and fruits from, you know, Mexico and South America, as well as all over the United States and Canada, right? And we have different climates even within our country. We can, you know, we can get certain things year round that you wouldn't be able to get if you ate strictly sort of like 100 mile radius local. Um, But at the same time, there's still always, and this will be much more apparent when we get into fruit, there's still always um, sort of a a seasonal ebb and flow, right? So there's certain things that you'll see like more varieties of apples in the fall and winter squash in the fall. And then you'll see potentially like more varieties of um, a lot of the cruciferous, right? Like kohlrabi, you might see more of those in the spring um, or more different leafy greens. You might see some unusual ones in the spring. You might get some interesting root vegetables um, sort of seasonally. And especially if you're shopping, like I would say um, even my local Kroger has sort of a seasonal uh, ebb and flow to, to what they have more citrus in the winter when it's in season. Um, and then I would say like a, a store, like my local sprouts or my local whole foods, it's like that times 10, right. They have even more because they, they do try to source a lot of their produce locally and they have, you know, the, there'll be a little sign right beside it that this is local. Um, and so 
with that, then it there's even more of an sort of ebb and flow keeping what sort of like featured in that like first container box thing when you walk into the store um that often like the first thing you see is often whatever is like the local and in-season thing that that they're trying to feature because um often when it's local and in-season and often that will even mean organic it's not going to keep as much so it tends to be right right there and where they it's probably really have a lot all at once that they need to yes manage. yeah um, the other thing I just want to remind people is that frozen is totally acceptable too. I know yes. we're talking about local and seasonal, but you need to remember that when things are frozen, they're picked at their peak ripeness and their nutrients are maintained. So if you're in the winter and you're trying to get more variety, one of the ways that we do that is we just keep a lot of the things in the freezer. Um, and this is more fruits for us than vegetables just because um, where we live, we, we're still very plentiful in terms of what's available to us. But, um, you know, things like spinach and broccoli and cauliflower and different things like that, like we keep bags of those in the freezer just in case we run out of whatever our mm -hmm. vegetables are. We have them at all times because they're staples that we use. Like, don't feel badly about whatever you need to do to get your nutrients in. Like you can no still have staples too. Like let's, let's, you can still have your core five or 10 that yeah. you get every single week that are just your favorites. It's the things your kids eat without complaining. Like we have broccoli and, and green beans all the time. Yeah. I think that's yeah. another way to make it affordable, right? Is like cabbage is one of those things that is always on our list because um, it's, it's easy. It's hearty. And it's super affordable. So, yeah. um, you know, find the things that work for you and your family. Um, and that, like I said, is is more fruits for us. Like we do um, bags of oranges and um, bunches of bananas every single week. And, and we always have apples on hand. Um, those three things are just like always around as well as lemons and limes because we like to put them um in our sparkling water that I drink every day. And so just right there, that's five. You know what I mean? So I was at 21 of veggies that I've eaten in the last five days, not even seven. And now we're going to get into fruits. That means I only need nine yeah. to get to the rest of the week. And I've already had eight. So let's go through that. And like I said, we're at five days and I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even like aware we were going to talk about this and you know, <laughs> like trying to be proactive about it. It's just, I think if you work to build in the habits and you're mindful of adding things to what you're eating and when you're going to the store, one of the things that we always did when the kids were really young is we would say, let's try something new. And so we've kind of yeah. tried a lot of things at this point. So there isn't much new there, but they still kind of want to explore. Last time we went to a physical in-store was a Wegmans a while ago. And I remember um, the kid that I was with, I only took one, um, looking at the section of like the unique stuff, right? The papayas and the star fruits and the dragon fruits and the... Um, gosh, what was it? Like bitter melon, right? Like there's mm -hmm. this whole section of things that are kind of unusual. And I remember him saying, oh, they have star fruit in stock. That's exciting. And I was like, do you want to grab one? He was like, yeah. So if you 
create that and you can do that online shopping. You know, like it doesn't have to be. I was able to get Starfruit in my last Misfit Market box. I got it last week and um, I was very excited and I didn't share. But um, (laughs) that's because I have a lot (laughs) of childhood. I did not share. I was like, no, you guys don't like Starfruit. Um, Remember? Remember you don't like it? Um, they They still hit 30. Don't worry. Just okay. sometimes, sometimes there's certain things that they don't need to know is good. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's do this. Fruit, apples, so many varieties. Again, when you go to the store, if your kids love apples, just grab a couple different kinds. Like for my kids, mm-hmm. everybody likes a different kind in the house um, as our favorites. Like we'll, we'll eat all apples, right? But we each have yeah. our own favorite. And so when I go to the store, I try to grab two or three of what I know are everybody's favorites and they're all mixed up in a bowl and we just enjoy them or whatever. But like, you feel like you got like the wishbone if you get your favorite. <laughs> you from the bowl, you know, you're like, Ooh, this is a Fuji or Ooh, it's Sunny crust. Okay. Um, oranges again, different kinds of varieties. Oh, um, so many. Are we going to include like clementines, tangerines, yes. Mandarin and jellos and yeah I mean we can either list those separately or we can kind of put them all under the orange category yeah. as in a orange fruit that citrus fruit that you peel and is sweet um I mean yeah I mean I think that's also one of the things is like so many of these there's multiple varieties so for example like grapes there's usually at least three varieties at my local Kroger Um, but they'll seasonally have like the witch's finger grapes or like the cotton candy grapes or, um, the little fresh currants, right? Like they'll also still periodically have like some cool variety of grape that we never see. Um, and like, that's one of the things that I think is so, that's one of the things I really want to emphasize with this episode is finding that, um, excitement when, something unusual comes into the store. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I mean, I've I've always been an adventurous eater. So, um, this is just part of my, my nature. Um, when I was a kid, um, it was like, if, if you were the kid who was willing to eat the really weird thing, like you got like, I don't know, it was like bonus points. It wasn't a thing, but it was just like, you got, you got respect from the, the, belligerent uncles. Um, and so belligerent uncle respect was like the best thing as a kid. And, um, and so, you know, being the kid, it was like, yeah, I'll eat that weird, you know, thing that nobody knows what it is. Sure. Um, and what I discovered being, um, you know, the kid who wanted that attention for, for being the brave kid who would eat something strange is, um, that the vast majority of those strange things I was eating were really delicious. And that has made me be a person who's like, wait, a thing I've never seen before, I'm buying it. I'll figure out what I'm going to do with it when I get home. And I know that not everybody has that kind of comfort with new fruits or vegetables. But what I do is I, I look at, I just, I Google it and I go, okay, what is this thing? And how am I supposed to prepare it? How am I supposed to eat it? And then I, I just, I try it. I just sort of like jump into the deep end. And, um, and I would say the more times I do that, the easier it is because I have the experience of the last thing that was similar when I found ugly fruit at um, my local Kroger for the first time. Well, it just looks like a slightly smaller pomelo, which is like another kind of unusual citrus fruit. And a pomelo tastes a little bit more like a grapefruit. Ugly fruit's like a sweeter grapefruit. Um, And so I go, okay, cool. Like I, I have now a reference point 
um, even though this is now like a thing that I've never had. And I, I think that in the age where we carry the internet in our pockets, there's really, it, it's a really wonderful resource to be able to find comfort with a new thing as you're putting it in your cart or once you get home. And, you know, the, the most amazing, you know, some of my favorite fruits and vegetables are the ones that I was like, oh, I've never seen this before and brought it home. And I was like, oh, well, I'm buying this every time I see it in the store now. Like, this is this is an amazing thing. I did not have that same uncle something. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like uncle peer pressure. My uncles were are uh, are all very um Belligerence maybe maybe too strong for boisterous. Oh. They're big, big personality um, uh, men, and um, there was a lot of a lot of peer pressure to be the kid who would eat the gross thing, mm. and then and then like not be grossed out by it. Um, so well, you know, family dynamics. Yeah, I grew up in two homes because my parents um, divorced when I was one. And I do think that that led to me also being open to a larger variety of food simply because those two households ate differently. Mm, and yeah. I think it really, without intentionality in the variety, the way that your family did, I simply became accustomed to more variety of things because people were eating them differently in different homes. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's never too late to start this, whether you're an adult and your kids have left the house or your kids are toddlers. Like it's whatever that bridge is for you, you can you can be brave enough to try one new thing every day. Um, and also, you know, take this list or um, write your own list of things that you love and then put one or two more that you're going to be brave enough to try, yep. you know, this week or this month or whatever. I would also say we're talking about fresh here, but um, also consider that just like frozen, there's also dehydrated. Um, so where you might not have grapes seasonally where you are, surely there's raisins. Um, you know, I don't particularly love plums, but I will eat prunes and um, that's backwards. I know, right? I love dates too. I just, I, you know, yep. like sweet, I love sweet things. So, um, and, and you only need like one or two of those when they're dehydrated for a serving. So just, you know, be aware that there, there's lots of opportunity and it, it's not as overwhelming as it sounds if you're being intentional. Okay. Continuing the list. Um, so these are pretty basic so far. Apple, oranges, grapes, bananas. Mm hmm strawberries blueberries blackberries raspberries these are the things that i keep in my freezer either we pick our own and we freeze it or um, i get bags like organic frozen whatever from the stores um, yep. kiwi watermelon honeydew cantaloupe and lots of other melons um, sometimes i see canary i love canary melon and uh, christmas melon i don't know that i've had a christmas melon Oh, it, when you, when you see it, grab um, it. grab it and it, um, it has a really long countertop shelf life. Mm. So you can, you can have it on the counter for like, it's, it's one of those melons that has a really long shelf life. Um, but it's in that, um, it's in the honeydew family. Like it's got that kind of honeydewy flavor, same, same as canary does. Like it's, uh, it's in that, on that side of the spectrum, but yeah. Okay. 
grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Not one of my many favorites. Var- many varieties. I love grapefruit. I know, I know. It's just, I actually have that on my, like, excluded list from Hungry Harvest, if I'm being honest. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> they would give us so many, and, like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll have, like, one a week, but I cannot, it's not, and the kids don't like it. I'm like, okay, no, I don't want to waste food, so... Lemons and limes, however, yeah, we go through so many of those. Any opportunity I can, I squeeze lemon or lime juice on food that we're going to eat, and I put it in the sparkling water that I drink. Um, I This is such a good opportunity. It's also um, something that I add with intentionality because of my stomach acid. <laughs> like, just, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing. And you mentioned ugly fruit, lots of other citrus um, yeah, kumquats. Again, sort of seasonal. Um, I found them at my sprouts last year. They were like a kumquat mandarin. I can't remember what they're called. They had some cheeky name. Um, that they were a cross between kumquats and mandarins. So you would eat them whole like a kumquat, but they tasted more like a mandarin orange, which was like, and again, it was me like, oh, new thing I've never had. Put this in the cart. We'll try it. Um, so, so delicious. Um and I like those just like sliced and I usually slice them, take out the seeds and throw them in salads. Like so, so easy to just add to something. You, you take out this. I just eat the whole thing. I just right in the mouth. <laughs> um, well, with a small kumquat, you can do that. I think the bigger kumquats, yeah, yeah, yeah. the seeds can get a little bit much. I was first introduced to them at a farm in Florida where they were like just picked and fresh and... So I have this like vivid, visceral love. Do you know what I mean? Like it, yep. it takes me back to that day where they were like warm from the sun and just so delicious. Okay, moving on. Pomegranate. Oh, I love pomegranates yes. so much. And um, I think those seeds are available like year round, even if you can't find mm-hmm. like, the full ones. I see those like seeds at my grocery store all the time because um, it's one of Cole's favorites. So sometimes I'll grab it for him. Um, papaya, mm-hmm. mango, pineapple. I have all of those in my house right now. Mm, I have pineapple in my house, but I have peaches. Peaches are one of the things that I've had this week, not because they're still fresh or seasonal, but because when I did a pick your own and I bought, you know, an entire family's body weight worth, I <laughs> froze them, put them in to take up all of the room in my freezer. And then I made a barbecue sauce with the peaches this week, Sarah, Ooh, with my yum. tomato sauce and peaches. So good. Um, cherries, nectarines, plums I mentioned, dates mm-hmm. I mentioned, currants, which I don't think you can find year-round fresh, but mm-hmm. certainly No, dried. definitely, yeah. As a, it's, It, um... I would say it's a seasonal sort of, it's like the specialty grape type. It's in, it's in with the grapes and berries. Um, seasonal. Yeah. But I mean, so are all of the stone fruits in general. Um, pears are becoming more year round now. Pears. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm getting them right now um, in my, hungry harvest thing or whatever yeah Um, I've had three different varieties of pears in the last month from my misfit market box 
I also get really excited when fall arrives because it means that it's cranberry season and fresh cranberries are one of my favorite foods. I strongly suggest if people are only eating cranberries on Thanksgiving, really look into more ways to eat fresh cranberries. They work so well in savory and sweet applications. Um, and they're a super powerhouse for vitamins. I, I really like them in a coleslaw. Um, they have that sort of like tart, like the, the tart, ex- like flavor of a fresh cranberry in a coleslaw. If I don't have fresh cranberries, I'll, I'll often put, um, yeah, yeah. dried cranberries in, but, um, yeah, cranberries, good call. Um, figs, it is just towards the end of fig season right now. And figs are also, they're like a late summer. I, my fig trees did not fruit this year. So I was very sad, but Ours fortunately, did. we just pulled six off yesterday, and we still have more on the tree. I'm like blown away that we we got this fig tree this year, and it's like not even past my knee, and it fruited a ton. I was super excited about it. Mine, um, so I have two. I have a brown turkey and a blackjack variety fig. My um, blackjack has never fruited; it's still establishing itself, so it's. Four, three years old now or four years old now. So maybe next year. Um, but my, um, brown Turkey fig tree, uh, fruited like crazy last year. And then we had a hard freeze and it <laughs> died, it died to the ground. Oh. So it set up runners and it's regrowing and it's now a 10 foot diameter ball of fig leaves and it, but it fruited late. So it has fruit on it now, but I bet it will get too cold before they ripen this year. So that's, mm. that's a sad, it's a very sad situation. Cause those they're the brown turkey figs are giant. Um, they're, they're like, I would say at least three inches long. Um, they're, they're one of the bigger varieties and they're, um, they're really fun. Fig trees, by the way, grow in most of the U S and they're pretty, they're pretty resilient. There's just, you need to look and see which variety would be the best one, depending on how cold your winters get. And your local garden center would be mm-hmm. able to tell you. And you can, like ours, I just called up and I said I wanted to get a fig tree because we had one that had died from a couple of years ago. And um, they I like just did a pickup. You know what I mean? It was great. Mine were... Um rooted from cuttings from one of my local farmers who ha- who grows nice. has a bunch of different figs on her farm and I had said oh I'd love to have a fig tree and she's like I can I can root some cuttings for you I was like please and um and so that's how I got my fig trees so they're little they're little babies from Fry Farm shout out to Fry Farm and now I'm realizing that we sound like total homesteading maniacs but I assure you that neither Sarah or well I'll speak for myself I have <laughs> Killed every plant in my home, like, save for three. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am not good at this sort of thing. But what's really great about trees, like, we have an apple tree, we have a cherry tree, we have a fig tree, and then this year we added blueberry bushes. Um, Mm -hmm. And what's really great is that they just kind of live out there on their own, and they do fine. When they first come in, you need to be mindful and you can like ask questions of wherever you get it from. You can order online, but I like to support my local garden center. And plus, then they answer a bunch of questions for me. Um, (laughs) And so we bought when we first bought the cherry tree and the apple tree, they helped me find um, trees that would talk to each other for lack of a better word. Right. Like they will help each other bloom if you have 
um, varieties that bugs can co-mingle from one to the other. And so we specifically bought two trees that they suggested were best for our area and variety types that would talk to each other. And we had cherries the first year. And just like I said, they helped us with the fig tree and we had figs this year. We had blueberries this year. Um, and they just, I don't do anything. They just live out there. So don't feel like it's impossible and we sound like we're like, you know, maniacs from Mars. This is not something that happened overnight, but these are my Mother's Day gifts. This is what I ask for every year is mm-hmm. I want um, things. And what it becomes like this emotional moment for me to see that like the cherry tree that we once bought when my kids were much smaller are now three years old and the cherry tree is bigger and blooming and becoming mature just like my voice I know it sounds corny but it's totally true and that's my that's my like favorite thing is they get me plants or trees or different kinds of bushes for Mother's Day so you can totally do it I promise you if you want to and also I mean a good good moment to emphasize that a lot of vegetables will grow in containers so even if you don't have space for like a fruit tree Um, If you have a little, even just like a little balcony or a patio, um, you can definitely like increase your variety in an inexpensive way by growing some, you know, leafy greens. It depends on the type of season, but like generally um, greens are really easy to grow. Kale is a weed most places. Um, Kale is super easy to grow. There's certain things that are um, just really straightforward to even just grow in a, in a pot. So um, there's there's always a very small amount of outside space can be turned into a very abundant garden. Um, but container gardening is a little bit more higher maintenance than fruit tree in the ground that you only touch when it has fruit on it to pick. Okay. I'm going to close up this list with the things that you will find in that exotic section in your store. Mm-hmm. You might not even know it exists because you just pass it by without looking, but this is a sec- section I challenge you to go to, take your kids to, choose something you haven't tried before, make it fun, guava, dragon fruit, Mm -hmm. jackfruit, star fruit, Mm, passion fruit, lychee, rambutan, all of these are wonderful and have different kinds of applications and um, you can eat them just regular or like I love to put passion fruit on um, yogurt. So, Mm. you know, it's just... You do you, but try to be your best you and be, like get out there and try new things. So, um, so we just named forty six different vegetables and thirty seven different fruits. Granted, not all will be available year round in a regular grocery store, but they're all things that you can find in like a Safeway or a Kroger, like these big chain grocery stores. That I can find almost all of these in my local Walmart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and that gets me to twenty nine in five days, by the way, Yay! I, I, I added it up and it was even more than I thought in first pass because then I was like, Oh yeah, lemons and limes. And you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. whew, okay. It's not as scary as I thought. Um, and I feel like we went through, um, things that people would have questions on in terms of locality, seasonality, affordability, um, what else did we miss that y- you got questions on? Well, I would say that when it comes to to seasonality and locality, you would be surprised how much is in season where you are. Um, I've got a little like seasonal produce guide that um, from USDA. It's like nothing even like not even a, you know, it's like 
super, super tame, <laughs> like list, right? Nothing even weird on that list that we can put in the show notes. Um, that, you know, if you just look at it, there's like 30 to 40 things listed in each season. Um, so we'll, we'll add that to the show notes. Um, I also, you know, with storage, I think, um, that's really important to sort of talk about that most vegetables and fruit will keep for at least a week if they're stored correctly. Um, they, I have a whole section in the gut health cookbook on storing vegetables and fruits, but, um, we'll also put a link in the show notes. Um, I found a, a free guide from UC Davis, um, that was, it's actually for grocery stores for how grocery stores should store all of their different produce. Um, but it's, really fantastic about like what not to store with what, because what makes ethylene gas, um, that is a gas that some fruit, um, give off, like apples give off a lot of ethylene gas that you can use to like ripen something. So if you want, uh, your avocados to ripen faster, put them in a paper bag with an apple and you will have riper avocados in less time. Um, so it's a, it's a, cool little trick that you can use to hurry something up. But also if you store your onions with your apples, it will make the onions rot. So, um, so that I think was, is a very useful guide. And we'll put, also put that in the show notes so that you can just go, go download it and have a look, but it's also right. It's right in the gut health cookbook. So, um, so it's right there as well. Did I mention that the gut health cookbook is like done and live? I can't, I don't think, I mean, you like tangentially mentioned, yeah. but it's out, it's done. It's, it's you can get it now. It's official. Um, and in terms of like space, I know that was one of the questions that people ask, like, where do I even store all these things? Because general, like a general rule of thumb, if you got it from a refrigerated area in the grocery store, you're going to want to put it in your fridge when you get home. And if it was out in the middle area and not under refrigeration, it's going to be okay to be not in direct sun, but like on the countertop or in a pantry uh, or in a cupboard, something like that when you get home. So if you have limited fridge space, you can um, freeze things like either batch cook when you get home and throw all that stuff in the freezer or freeze your own or, you know, swap out what you're getting. So you have more things that are happy on a counter, like squash, uh, root vegetables, apples, citrus does really well on a countertop, bananas, avocados. Like there's a lot of different fruits and vegetables that will be happy for, um, some of them might be four or five days, but some of them will be like, uh, you know, apples will live for like a month or two on the countertop just fine. Um, so there's lots of, there's lots of inventive ways to get around it, but either looking at the gut health cookbook, um, vegetable and fruit storage guide, or the, the free guide from UC Davis that we'll put into the show notes, that'll give you a really good sense of like what can go where, because maybe you're putting some stuff in the fridge that doesn't need to be in the fridge. Um, and then that frees up more space for, for other things. And I think practically, you know, there's certain recipes that are really easy to throw tons of different vegetables into, like soups, stews, casseroles, stir fries, salads, smoothies, even though I don't do smoothies, but I have to figure out I better put them on this list because lots of people like smoothies. Um, frittata. I, 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 smoothies. Right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, frittatas are something I typically put at least five different vegetables into a frittata. Um, so there's there's lots of ways, lots of go-to meals that you can, you can, you know, if you normally put four different vegetables into uh, a soup, like try adding something else. Um, you know, I would say obviously like carrots, celery, and onion are go-tos. Uh, garlic's delicious in a soup. 
Um, I love sweet potato in soups. I often put green beans or spinach in a soup. I often put sliced mushrooms in a soup, right? Now, now all of a sudden my one bowl of soup has eight different vegetables. Yeah, um, having like a handful of like spinach, like just fresh baby spinach at the very end of a soup mm-hmm. is like my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And um, I know one of my favorite tricks with soups is also... Um, if you roast veggies first, so you can mm-hmm. take like the fennel and the radish and the sweet potato, like don't just do whatever your standard butternut squash or whatever you use every time. Like you can do a variety of um, these veggies when you roast them and then blend into the, to the soup or stew. And it like creates this gravy like texture with umami galore. Like I can't even tell you how that is my favorite food other than like the foods that aren't great yep. for you to eat. Um, <laughs> like, autumn is this season. Like this is the season to, to start doing this, right? If you're listening to the show when it's coming out, we are at the peak season. There's still all of this like fresh stuff from summer where it's more south in, in the United States, right? But we're also like in fall autumnal area for all the root veggies and apples and all of these things like to me this is my favorite produce season right here where we are um and it's a great time to do all those things that you just mentioned Sarah like you know you I would add to that list like we do a a fried rice um in addition to like a stir fry Mm -hmm. but a fried rice um japchae which is like sweet potato noodles with veggies like if you're trying if you're not trying to just do plain soups for example like don't don't get stuck in a rut there are endless opportunities here and I love meal planning by going through cookbooks that you love I know a couple of cookbook authors (coughs) here on the show (laughs) who have a lot of veggie rich uh, Mm -hmm. um, recipes but I also like to do like Pinterest like I'll pull up Pinterest and I'll scroll through things that I've pinned or boards that I have because I subscribe to emails to all of my favorite you know cookbook and blogger authors and so I'll pin recipes when they come in and then I'll go through the pin board with the kids and I'm like what what looks good to you this week and then we're all bought in to all of the things and it's like Sarah said it's not just what comes in in the hungry harvest I'm usually placing an order for once a month I order from Costco and then usually once or twice a month from one of the other grocery stores, be it Trader Joe's or Wegmans or just my local giant. So I know like where Sarah and I live, it's different kind of grocery stores where you live. It's different, but this is not impossible. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It, it's, and it can be very affordable, especially if you're being aware of the things that are more affordable. So things like onions, cabbage, root vegetables. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, lettuces are pretty affordable too. I'm always surprised. Kale tends to be pretty cheap. Yeah. Kale, spinach, and lettuce. I'm always surprised. Like I think because they're more um, time sensitive is usually one of the things that drives up price, but I guess because they're pretty hardy, even though they're green, they last. Um, Mm -hmm. and then of course for fruits, like oranges, um, if you get like a bag of them can be very affordable, especially as we enter the fall and winter season, which Mm -hmm. is their season, um, as well as like apples and bananas, depending on seasonality. I try to always just, my recommendation is to buy fair trade bananas because while the regular one 
is more affordable. Like when I'm looking at the price of an organic fair trade banana, it's still comparable to other fruit cheaper. Compared to the price of other fruits, it's still very affordable to buy mm-hmm. the organic fair trade version of a banana. So if you can, I would recommend that. But um, actually, so I think many eating, opportunities. eating more vegetables in general is a like budget strategy for a grocery bill. Um, so one of the things that I think, um, uh, this is one thing that I think the, the paleo diet sort of did a disservice to all of us was by sort of saying like, you know, oh, we're, we're going to eat mainly meat and veggies. I think we, we, we got like, oh, well I can eat the giant steak and all the bacon. Um, I think I certainly went through a phase early on in, in paleo where I was eating really large portions of meat, um, probably more than the protein I could actually absorb from that serving. And, you know, while like Americans on average are not getting enough protein, that's generally not our challenge in this community. Um, and so we actually don't need that much, like we don't need to eat 10 ounces of, of meat at every meal. Um, typically more like five to six ounce servings, um, are like, will more than adequate for protein, even if you're highly active. And so one of the ways that we can actually like the, the meat is the expensive thing on the meal or the fish, the vegetables tend to be the really cheap thing. And by increasing how many vegetables we're eating, we're looking after our gut microbiomes. We're getting a lot of really important nutrients. Um, there's a ton of studies showing that high vegetable and fruit consumption reduces risk of disease, um, independent of its benefit to the gut microbiome because of all of the different antioxidants they contain. And they like, they tend to be the cheap thing on the plate. So, um, even when, um, buying, you know, say like grapes are much more expensive per pound than something like apples or bananas. Um, so even when buying like more expensive fruit, that's still a much cheaper thing to purchase than, um, a prepackaged food often or, uh, an animal protein. And so I, I would even just like expand, like eating a really vegetable rich diet is a more budget friendly way, way to eat at, at like completely. So while we're talking about budget friendly, I do want to mention that if you or someone, you know, is on the WIC program, there are WIC eligible fresh fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. that are required by the state. And that includes um, allowing organic forms of those. So even canned, frozen, dried and vegetables, um, fresh are included and available. So I often hear when we were in um, first part of quarantine and people were kind of hoarding a lot of stuff, um, it was note which labels allow um, to be purchased under WIC and then kind of be mindful of if you're buying all of those things up, then someone who is on WIC is kind of limited. But looking at the allowance of what's allowed for um, eligible fruits and vegetables, it's like any variety of fresh, whole or cut without any added sugar spots or oils is allowed. So this is a, I mean, when I think about budget, I'm like, well, that's awesome because that means that a lot of these things are eligible for WIC in terms of the limitations that we heard about with people not being able to buy a lot of the shelved items because they ran out during that original quarantine period. So um, I was 
when I looked this up, I was very glad to see that the USDA is encouraging fruits and vegetables through the WIC program. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to emphasize because I think, um, I think we have this because of farm subsidies and just how cheap corn and soy and, uh, wheat based foods are compared to how much they really should cost. Um, it tends to feel like the the price of fresh fruits and vegetables are inflated. And certainly if you're comparing, um, you know, having fresh fruits and vegetables versus uh, like rice or something like that on your meal, the, the rice is obviously going to be much cheaper per calorie or however you want to count it. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of very budget friendly fruits and vegetables. And the, the, the overall, strategies are the same strategies that you use to, um, shop within a budget at any time, right? So know your prices, shop around, compare, uh, shop sales, um, you know, like it's, and, and strategize. And it's, it's sort of this, it's the, really, it's the same, it's the same skill set, um, no matter which, you know, no matter how budget is, is constraining. Um, I mean, it is for everybody, right? Constraining shopping, um, the last thing that I, I think we should mention as we wrap up here is something that we sort of talked about at the top of the show that I just want to come back to, which is if, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the majority of our listeners are like you, Stacy, who go, Oh wait, I, I'm, I do. I, or I only need to add, I'm at 25 already, or I'm at 20 already. I, I don't need to, it's not a huge deal. I just need, I'm just going to keep this in mind. And if I got, you know, uh, kale last week, and then maybe this week I'll I'll get broccoli, right? And just start thinking about increasing variety. Right? That is the message. It is really important to um, increase the variety of the foods that we're consuming as much as possible in order to increase the variety of bacterial species that are supported by those foods in our guts because they are essential for our health. But like everything we talk about, that doesn't mean if you're far away from that goal, if you're a person who has your five favorites and those are the same things you get every week, or maybe um, you uh, live by yourself and so that one bunch of broccoli is, you know, four meals worth for you, whereas for my family it would be one dinner, right? Like um, maybe the the math is just a little bit more challenging. There's some things that, I mean, your freezer is a great, <laughs> it's a great place to put extras, um, I love sort of like one of each type shopping where um, instead of getting a ton of broccoli because we're going to eat it for three meals this week, I'll get one broccoli and then I'll get one Romanesco. We didn't say Romanesco. Um, I'll get right something similar, right? It's the same family, but it's still going to be different from my gut microbiome. Um, I started doing this about a year and a half ago where I started getting just one bunch of chard, you know, one bunch of kale. Um, and I started doing these um, meals where the vegetable side dish would be a uh, half of the bunch of asparagus and half of the bunch of chard and a handful of mushrooms and half of the bag of Brussels sprouts. And, um, and then maybe some, um, uh, you know, something else like the, um, artichoke hearts or whatever. Right. And I would have five to eight different vegetables, on a sheet pan, I toss them with olive oil and a little bit of salt and just roast them. Typically 400 
ish Fahrenheit, give or take, depending on how uh, impatient I am that day. Um, and then roast them till they start browning. And as long as all of the vegetables are either cut to roughly the right size so that they'll cook in the same amount of time, roughly, right? Th these things are very forgiving in the oven. Um, or I'd put like the sweet potatoes and the Brussels sprouts on one tray because they're going to take 10 minutes longer. And then the asparagus and the green beans and the kale and the, the mushrooms on another tray because they're going to take a little bit less time. And so I'll put them in sort of second. Um, just doing that, that type of strategy of, you know, I could, if I'm steaming vegetables, why am I just steaming broccoli? I could steam broccoli and cauliflower and carrots all in the same steamer insert um, and make that my side vegetable. Or if I'm roasting, why just have one thing on my pan when I could have three things on my pan? Um, so just being creative that way, but it doesn't need to be from zero to hundred miles an hour in a day. Um, it's, it's okay to baby step this. It's okay to make the goal. I'm going to try one new thing a week. I'm going to add two new veggies or, and or fruits per week until I get there. I'm going to start swapping out this favorite meal that I always, always, I have every single week and I always have with the same vegetables. I'm going to try swapping out that vegetable week to week. Um, or I'm going to try, you know, instead of just having one piece of fruit with my breakfast, I'm going to try having, making a fruit salad and having five different fruits or changing which fruit I have every week, every day of the week. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can make this fit into your life rather than feeling like you have to completely adjust your life to fit this recommendation. And so I want to sort of encourage our listeners to, um, Think about this in a positive mindset. You can do it. Um, it is totally accessible for you, I promise. Um, and it's okay to iterate towards it, right? You keep the goal in mind and you progress towards it, whatever that looks like. Maybe um, you take a, a month to get there. Maybe you take four months to get there. Um, maybe it's something that you're not far from and you can do your very next shopping trip. So, um, so I, I do want to, you know, end on this message of 30 is not a hard and fast number. It is, uh, it is a goal and it's even better if you can beat that goal. If you can do 40 different fruits and vegetables, even better. But if you hit 25, you're doing great. So remember that in that study, 30 was compared to 210 or less. Um, and so we don't really know where the magic cutoff is. Is it 15? Is it 22? Like we don't know. We just know that more is better and that 30 is great. And so it's okay if one week you don't hit it. It doesn't need to be a, um, another like checklist rule to stress you out. It is, the idea is to provide some guidance in terms of what a uh, high variety actually means. And that's, uh, that's really what this is about. Variety is really important and it helps to, to, to quantify that for people who, who the word high variety isn't meaningful without a number attached, but it doesn't need to be a really hard and fast rule. I love the idea of calling it a goal. I had a training session earlier this week having nothing to do with food or nutrition. And we talked about what a goal is. And a goal is not something that you feel like you can achieve every single week in this instance, mm -hmm. right? A goal is something that stretches you to push and try for something. And if, if it's easy, if the goals that you set for yourself are something that you know you can achieve, then you're just stating fact. You're not 
creating goals. And so I love that you called it a goal because that really, in my mind, helps make this more attainable for a lot of the people who are feeling overwhelmed by not currently taking these approaches or loving a variety of things. Like, think about this as a goal for yourself instead of that you're failing if you don't do it because that's never what we intend to do here. So I love that that's how you kind of wrapped it up and called it because um, to me that is something that we've always strived to do on the show is is help you feel empowered and encouraged um, not to walk away feeling like something is impossible or overwhelming. Um, And I am going to um, go downstairs and bake that batch of muffins that's been on my to-do list with zucchini and carrots and pineapple that I have in the house um, because that'll put me at 32. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you listeners so much for hanging in and if you enjoyed the show the best thing that you can do is share it with others and we love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the show, if it was helpful, if it cleared your conscience, please let us know. If you're feeling still overwhelmed and you'd like more information on certain aspects of the show, that feedback is so helpful for us in follow-up shows or ensuring that in the future we're more rounded in the way that we cover things. Your feedback and engagement is what keeps us going and we appreciate you being here so, so much. We hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. Do you love the Whole View podcast? We'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen and share a podcast with your friends and family. And did you know that you can now get exclusive behind-the-scenes content on Patreon for less than the price of an almond milk matcha a month? Your Patreon membership supports us and gets you access to a monthly bonus episode. But not for kids' ears, because our bonus content is explicit. You can find us as The Whole View on Patreon for our real, unfiltered thoughts on this week's episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.